Debriefing today unplugs people's creativity by embracing the wonder of change. It seeks inspiration from maverick innovators and change makers to share their stories, experiences, and dreams. Technology and innovation are constantly shaping our lives, often for the better. Yet, today's security landscape is volatile, subject to unexpected shocks. From terrorism to cybercrimes, unparalleled criminal activities can quickly emerge on the radars. I'm pleased to be joined by Director of Interpol Innovation Center, Anita Heisenberg, to explore policy futures. Anita has extensive experience in policing and both discipline of foresight into law enforcement. Welcome, Anita, and thank you for joining me at the briefing today. Thank you so much, Mattia. That's really, really nice. It's great to join you on this briefing today for the discussion. And I'm really glad to share some of my experiences from policing and contribute, of course, to the extensive knowledge base of futures, a topic which is very close to my heart. Wow, Anita, it's fantastic to start this conversation with such energy and cannot wait for it to unfold and learn more from and of your almost 40 years of experience in policing. Throughout the 40 years, you have achieved so much. You have built an extensive know-how in international police cooperation. You have established the Global FinTank Purse in policing program, and you have been the spread head of foresight through law enforcement globally in Interpol Innovation Center. Can you believe it? 38 years in policing. You know, time is flying. I joined the Netherlands police indeed as a patrol officer. And from there on, I had the privilege, and I really feel it was a privilege, in my police career to work both nationally as internationally. And, um, and since actually three years now, I'm the director of the Innovation Center in Singapore, and that's really great. So back to you, Mattia. 38 years of experience in policing. That's quite outstanding. And I guess you've seen a lot. You have lived so many different situations. You have seen so many different changes happening in those uh, many years of, of, of your experience and how much knowledge you build from, from those. I'm really curious, you know, you, you started and you've been the spread head of foresight in policing. How do you see the connection? What, what makes you start it in the first place to merge those two disciplines? You know, when I became the director of the Interpol Innovation Center, which was only established in 2016, so we really, with my, with my team, we developed the center as what it is now. It's still very small, only about 25 people, but a lot of good energy. So we have to serve 194 member countries. And I started to realize that many law enforcement organizations consider foresight as something as nice to have instead of a must have. And I strongly believe that as a leader in policing, you have to prepare your organization for the future. And particularly within policing, this is critical as we need to be prepared to deal with not only the future threats, but also the opportunities that may emerge and affect policing. Think about it, you know, we, we speak a lot about um, technologies, emerging technologies. How will they affect, how, what will be the impact on policing? And we look at it from an evidence, threat, and tool perspective. And that's a, a package in itself. 
And it's so important to look at, you know, what digitalization is doing with policing and realizing how important it is to instill forward thinking into the culture of policing. And that's why I say we too often think, oh, it's nice. If we have no, nothing else to do, we can do, we can do either innovation or foresight but that we really have to do it in order to survive as an organization, that's a new thinking. And this is, you know, I come back on that probably later, you know, that's why I find it so important that we already start thinking of what kind of police officers of the future do we need to have? You know, are we already ready to, to select them, to recruit them, to train them? Are we already focusing on changing this organizational culture? Interesting that you are seeing this from a perspective of a good thing to have or a must thing to have. So looking from this perspective of a necessary things that, you know, necessary thinking process and tools that uh, policing should have, can we define a DNA of uh, law enforcement and policing? Yeah, the DNA. And as I said before, I really find it difficult. And I think it's also easy to understand. If you realize that Interpol has 194 member countries and we talk about innovation and foresight, imagine some countries, when I speak to police officers there, they tell me, Anita, in our, in our cybercrime unit, we do not even have a computer. And other countries are looking at the Interpol Innovation Center as how can you help us with Darknet? How can you help us with, you know, uh, decentralized apps? All the new developments they expect us to know. But you understand that that scale is very, very big. So in one way, we want to help the countries which are still in, in a lot of need of development. And on the, in the other hand, we want to be there for the, let's call it more developed uh, uh, police organizations. But what I have experienced in these years that the leaders are crucial. That's why I've about 15 years ago established the global think tank in law enforcement, talking about, you know, which is called pearls and placing, still existing. Every year we get a selected group of law enforcement leaders together to start thinking about the future. And in connection, we organize a, a global training program for the incoming uh, next generation leaders. And this is still going. And also within my work now in Interpol, when we established the Innovation Center, we focused on four labs. Two are focusing on what you need to have, digital forensic, focusing on new emerging uh, technology, two labs. And two labs which focus on what is actually the police doing already, how can we learn from each other, adaptive policing, and of course the future and foresight lab. And in this particular lab, the last one, future and foresight, we started to build a, a strong group of strategic advisors in the different police forces all over the world. What do they see happening? What kind of soft signals? What kind of early warnings? And this brings for us together a picture, a literally a global picture, because there are colleagues from Canada, from the Middle East, from Asia, Australia, Europe, you mention it. And they say, hey, I see this happening. What about you? 
And this exchange and the findings we bring together in every six to eight weeks in a bulletin, you know, which helps countries to realize, hey, if I realize that more and more countries are, for example, experiencing that, uh, how is the police trusted in your society? That this is a big issue for the legitimacy of policing. More and more countries say, yeah, 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 I recognize that too. We deal with it in this way, or we have done this and this. This is important because DNA of policing was, and that's why I say 38 years ago, but it's still a little bit like that, is reactive instead of very proactive. And this is why I so strongly emphasize that the new generation police leaders need to have another DNA. They have to be prepared. Otherwise, our police organization will not be able to fulfill the increasing needs of the people we serve in our societies. Back to you. Thank you, Anita. And what you're talking about here has been a strong topic. Uh, even in this podcast, uh, we talk a lot about anticipating rather than reacting on uh, on futures and um, and trying to understand opportunity and threat underlying uh, possible scenarios. So it's something that stays at heart of, of the podcast, but also close to, to myself. And I'm really interested to understand how you go about changing, kind of shifting the mindset of um, of an organization like Interpol that you know policing is here and now. We see different scenarios and instances where police is asked to to kind of solve a situation that is happening here and now. But how do you go about changing the mindset and really shifting this uh, vision, this perspective on being proactive rather than reactive? I sometimes feel that we are the ones waking up everyone at least trying to wake up everyone and to say yes you can look at you know you have many analysts in policing and they receive valuable data and they try to add value to the data but that's the here and now what we try to do in the future and foresight lab of the innovation center is to say but please be aware that something is potentially going to happen uh, that's our horizon scanning work. And this is not, for example, I always say, it's not relevant in the future of Foresight Lab to say envi the environment is changing. It is important for the Interpol Future and Foresight Lab to say the environment is changing and this will impact policing in such a, such a way. For example, if, if um, I can, can use the same example. There's global heating, and in certain countries, this has a massive effect on a whole population. Then the impact of policing could potentially be that people drink more beer, more alcohol, that there will be more violence in families. That's the impact we have to highlight, because then you know law enforcement starts to anticipate on the fact that, yes, there are environmental issues. That is what I see as our role. Fascinating. And if I'm understanding correctly, there is another element that you know plays a role within uh, foresight, which is system thinking. So you're not just using foresight 
and you know and encouraging people to to embrace foresight tools and uh, you know in a futures uh, mindset but it's also about understanding and explore what might be unrelated at first but it actually are very close element like the example of climate change you know climate change could be unrelated to um policing and law enforcement but you are trying to go about hey what if uh, climate change you know temperature rise and what what if that happened what could be the consequences and you go about exploring second and third layers of consequences like okay there might be more crimes there might be more violence and then you kind of go and define that so it's not just about exploring possible alternative futures but it's also how those elements within possible future are connected and then you go and use system thinking on, uh, to do so yeah and it's needed but even again then sometimes i'm you know my team is faced with uh, opposition by even within our team that we say we need to do something about quantum computing and what this will mean for policing and some of my colleagues say that but that's years ago that will still take years why do you want to focus on it so every week at the moment, the Innovation Center is organizing a virtual discussion room. And one, and we, we decided we will organize and we have organized a session on quantum computing. And what was the inter interesting outcome was that it's not the fact that we have to tell the police that quantum computing will have a major impact. But it's the fact that they here and now have to change their way of storing data, criminal evidence. Because if they want to solve in 20 years a cold case, a murder case, which they have not been able to solve, the digital forensic world was not far enough developed to solve that murder case. But in 20 years, maybe due to the use of quantum computing, we can deal with other ways of, of dealing with all this big data and we can find a hit. So now we have to react already for the changes due to quantum computers in 20 years from now. And so this is how I try with the team to tell the 194 member countries that we have to look at the changes here and now and potentially on what the impact on policing is now, but also in the future. And I'm, I was really happy that, you know, uh, last year we introduced the, the what we call the Young Global Interpol Police Leaders Program. And with this group of young people, you know, you have to be under 35 to be a member of that group. We have to, to introduce the concept of global thinking, the concept of horizon scanning. And we also introduced the concept of reverse mentoring. So imagine a high-ranking, long-serving official with one of these young people who have just started their career. Because what we really, really believe is that the young global leaders are the leaders who have to prepare the future. But they're depending on present leaders. And I, and I met many of them who say, oh my God, I can sometimes not even realize how emerging technologies are going to change policing. So I need a kind of tech gym, technology gym, in order to be able to prepare my organization in such a way now, here and now, that the young generation leaders can take over. How nice is, is it when they do 
reverse man mentoring in order to be both aware of the experience of the long-serving leader with the experience of the upcoming ones, which are the digital natives. And together, we have to prepare for a, a police organization that is ready to make this world a safer place. I think you just got a new supporter for the Young Global Interpol Leaders Program. I'm a strong fan and believer of mentorship, especially reverse mentorship. If we look at how society has changed exponentially with you know completely new technology, uh, it's very important that you know uh, expert people uh, that has been in uh, in the workforce for many years could mentor the new generation but vice versa native digital to some extent you know can mentor back uh, those experts and work together to to drive innovation but also to to self-develop each other um yeah i'm a really fan for that so you yeah you got a new supporter for this program do you know, Mattia, it's not only about that. It's also about the fact that uh, we need to include the young generation. But as policing, we also need to be open to work much more with the academic and the business world. Because also there, a lot of future work is taking place, which we should take into account. But often law enforcement is sometimes a little bit reluctant. It's we are strongly developed in another in a culture where we always think what what is made in our own police house is right. And I have happily seen that policing is getting much more open for also for the perspectives of the academic world, the business world, realizing that we can't do it on our own. So that's a positive step. You know, the, everyone is realizing the digital highway is there. And we are driving in different cars, in different ways, but we have to drive together. Otherwise, we will never, and you will hear me saying that is very important in Interpol's vision to create a safer world together. Thank you, Anita. And thank you for pushing an agenda to build a better, safer world together. Um, so you mentioned the digital highway, and that's, you know, you, you summarize what we discussed so far as the digital highway. Um, is there any other changes, major shifts that you see or, or can foresee in um, in police and um, and you know, yeah, Interpol? You know what I learned in my future uh, future work in the last years is that it's not only that things are changing very quickly; it's also that due to the fact that there are so many new technologies. The, 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 the speed of the change is sometimes unbelievable. I mean, how many years ago we could only think about deepfakes? And now the Innovation Center is organizing uh, virtual discussion rooms where we start to realize, the, and again, I speak about future work and the impact on policing, where the impact on policing is to realize that how can we in the very near future still be convincing in courts to have criminals convicted based on material which is shown to judges because it can be fake? You know, how are we going to prepare our digital forensic experts 
to to see if a, a video or a piece of, of virtual evidence is real or not. You know, this kind of questions are popping up and it's only a few years ago. So I really, you know, the, the same issue is with people say a cybercrime directorate. I often say cybercrime directorate, the whole police is about cyber nowadays. There are hardly any crimes anymore who do not have a cyber dimension. So the whole function of policing is changing. When, when we at the beginning of this discussion uh, exchanged that it was 38 years ago, I started as a patrolling officer. At that time, the concept was that policing was stepping in a car with a gun and with a, a truncheon and a radio, very big radio, and that we pat were patrolling the streets. The police function will change in such a way that we maybe because we have cameras everywhere, maybe because everything is connected. We have drones, we have automatic, automa uh, you know, we have vehicles which drive autonomously. You know, maybe there's no need anymore for patrol by police on the streets of a city. So maybe we only patrol the digital highway in such a way that we need different police officers. You don't need to be strong anymore. You, you don't need to shoot very well. You need to be extremely clever and make be able to deal with a lot of data and be very quick in your responses. And so it is really, really important that we, and I cannot underline that enough, that we start to, to start thinking about what that means for skill sets, for capability. What kind of, how does a future police officer look? And, you know, be prepared for that. So, uh, and sorry to say, in one of these sessions we organized recently, we had to conclude, unfortunately, that not every police organization is already there, realizing and proactively start to prepare for the, you know, the, the future police function and its new demands here and now on, on policing. Yes, and maybe not everyone is there yet, but from this conversation, we can clearly see that there are solid foundation that set a direction with tools, mindset, a skill set that are needed to embrace what will be next, to embrace and explore opportunities and, and threats. This conversation has been great so far. I learned uh, a lot and I'm so fascinated about the work that you're driving at Interpol. Before we close, um, I always ask this question to get to know more personally the person uh, I talk to and I invite to the podcast. What is your latest book or the current book that you are reading? Oh, that's nice. Because, you know, I, I love, because I work in English, I'm Dutch and I love to read Dutch novels. And I was so fortunate that recently one of my really favorite authors, his name is uh, Mr. Arthur Japan, has uh, written a new book, which was called Mrs. Dega. And what I liked was that the book started with the sentence, there is an empty white space and it's need to be filled. And I love that sentence because that's also, it refers to me to futures. There's a white, empty space. 
and we need to fill it. We need to fill it together. That's why I say future work is important. Connection amongst the global world, amongst police organization. Connection with the academic world, the business world. However, the story is beautiful, written, very sad story about the life of the French painter Degas. And um, the story is a little bit, and again, that link to, to this interview, is that you always have to be honest and straightforward about your feelings, no matter how difficult it can be. And that's why even in the area of foresight, I always smile about the cobbles, cobblestones that once looked like mountains. And that's how I always close. Thank you so much, Mattia. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And it was wonderful to speaking with you and also closing this amazing conversation on this metaphor. Thank you, Anita. Thank you. The briefing today unplugs people's creativity by embracing the wonder of change. It seeks inspiration from maverick innovators and change makers to share their stories, experiences and dreams. 